98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Experts have warned that the number of infections may rebound if people gather during the upcoming Qingming and Easter holidays. A lawmaker has urged the governor, government to offer mental health care to children infected with COVID who've been separated from their families during the fifth wave. And Chief Executive Carrie Lam welcomes Chinese medicine experts who've arrived to help with Hong Kong's COVID fight. Government expert advisor David Hoy has expressed concern that public gatherings during the upcoming Qingming Festival and Easter holidays will cause a rebound in COVID infections. He was speaking on an RTHK show. Some people in the community might be infected, but they may not know because they have little to no symptoms. Family gatherings during the earlier Lunar New Year also had this problem. If more families gather, then the risk of an outbreak is high. I think people should go tomb sweeping on separate days, and people can go on weekends too. A lawmaker has urged the government to issue guidelines to ensure children infected with COVID won't be separated from their parents or caregivers. Stephen Wong said the prospect of families being separated had hurt Hong Kong's reputation and called on authorities to disclose how many children were hospitalized during the fifth wave, as well as how many of them were separated from caregivers. Mr. Wong also urged officials to offer follow-up mental health care to these children. Thousand to two thousand children that, that actually have been through this during the fifth wave, and actually uh, find them out and know who they are, and then uh, give mental health intervention um, to the children as well as um, you know as a caregiver, you empower the caregiver, uh, you train the care- caregiver to actually how to deal with these sort of a post-trauma uh, impact uh, psychologically and mentally. I think uh, a lot of things needs to be done to actually make sure that there are uh, no lasting or to minimize the long-lasting impact of these uh, traumatic uh, impacts. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she's asked mainland Chinese medicine experts to visit elderly care homes to see how COVID infections can be prevented. Her comments came as she welcomed seven experts arriving at Shenzhen Bay Port to help with Hong Kong's COVID fight. Mrs. Lam said they can treat patients to prevent serious cases and deaths while aiding their recovery. As we all know, Chinese medicine is also very effective in rehabilitation. So after COVID-19 patient has been cured, particularly an elderly patient, then the use of Chinese medicine can also help them with a speedy recovery. That's why we want to have more experts to come to uh, give us advice. Mrs. Lam added the mainland experts will also discuss the development of Chinese medicine in Hong Kong with local practitioners. The Federation of Education Workers says... More than 70% of teachers are against the resumption of face-to-face classes on the 19th of April. Aaron Tam reports. The Federation said that 70% of 1,300 kindergarten, primary and secondary teachers who participated in a recent survey it conducted were against plans to resume in-person classes on April the 19th. The Federation's chairman, Wong Kam Leung, said teachers do not feel that the COVID situation has stabilized to the point where on-campus classes can be safely resumed. He said the authorities should lay down clearer standards as to when students can go back to school. A logistics expert says COVID rules on cross-border truck drivers could lead to increased costs and delays in deliveries. A truck driver's union says the rules have put some drivers out of work. 
Hong Kong drivers can only pick up or drop off goods at designated points. Colin Wong from the Hang Seng University's Department of Supply Chain and Information Management says many shipments are now being sent by air or sea to cross the mainland border. But she said this may not be a long-term change. I do not think this kind of situation will become a long-term situation if uh, the COVID-19 uh, case uh, can we know, be resolved uh, ultimately because uh, we do see these three types of transportations uh, exist for long. Uh, I do still see some benefits for sending by truck, uh, such as uh, they can provide very flexible door-to-door services. Hong Kong's travel sector has called on the government to start allowing tourists back into the territory soon, saying the economy will rebound immediately if more flights are allowed to fly into the SAR. Freddie Yip is the president of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association. At this moment, and we allow uh, the Hong Kong resident coming back to Hong Kong for the OSG first. I hope very soon the second step will uh, relax. Yeah, visitors uh, from the overseas or from mainland China can come come to Hong Kong. So this will be a quick help. The government earlier announced that from Friday it will have the suspension period to one week for flights that breach testing rules or carry three or more passengers infected with COVID. But lawmakers said the revised rules would still be too strict. Private home prices have fallen to their lowest level since January last year. New government indices show that private flat prices in February fell over 2% month-on-month and 0.7% on-year. Flat prices have dropped almost 3% in the first two months of this year. But private home rents in February ended a four-month drop and rebounded to December's level, seeing a 0.5% rise compared to the month before. New COVID-19 cases in Shanghai hit a fresh record, with the number of people displaying symptoms almost doubling to 96, and asymptomatic cases jumping to 4,381. The financial hub is holding separate lockdown and testing operations in a bid to contain the Omicron wave. The surge in Shanghai pushed the number of daily local asymptomatic cases on the mainland to 5,658. The National Health Commission also recorded 1,228 symptomatic infections, more than 80% of which were from Jilin province. Overseas now, Ukraine and Russia have both played down the likelihood of a breakthrough during fresh bilateral talks in Turkey later today. It'll be the two countries' first face-to-face meeting in two weeks. The BBC's Tom Bateman reports. The discussions largely involve Russian and Ukrainian officials not matching the level of foreign ministers who met in Turkey for failed peace negotiations earlier this month. They pick up where the delegation's near-daily video calls have left off. Mr Zelensky has said he is willing to consider neutrality for Ukraine, but not before a referendum nor the withdrawal of Russian troops, adding he won't compromise on his country's territorial integrity. That still puts a gulf between his position and Russia's demands. Even hopes for new humanitarian corridors seem dim after Ukraine decided against implementing them yesterday due to fears of attack by Russian forces. There was widespread criticism after U.S. President Joe Biden took an unscripted shot at Vladimir Putin during his trip to Poland, declaring, this man cannot remain in power. A Kremlin spokesman 
described it as a personal insult against Mr. Putin. The White House was quick to roll back on the president's comments and clarify that the U.S. is not calling for regime change, worrying that the statement could cause tensions to rise. But at a press conference after arriving back in Washington, Mr. Biden stood by what he'd said. I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man, just just brutality of it. But I want to make it clear, I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies. A federal judge in the United States has ruled that Donald Trump must hand over key documents to the committee investigating the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. The former president and his lawyer had argued that emails between the pair were protected by attorney-client privilege. But the judge said they'd been engaged in likely criminal behavior. The BBC's Nomia Iqbal has more. The judge said Donald Trump and his lawyer John Eastman had launched a campaign to overturn a democratic election. In total, there are 111 emails that Mr Trump's lawyer had attempted to shield from investigators. But after reviewing the documents, Judge David Carter decided only 10 fell under claims of attorney-client privilege and the rest should be turned over to the committee. Mr Eastman is accused of helping Mr Trump during the final weeks of his presidency to develop a strategy to pressure former Vice President Mike Pence into overturning Joe Biden's presidential victory. Amnesty International's chief has criticised large corporation and wealthy countries for greed and selfishness during the coronavirus pandemic. Vaccine inequity during the pandemic has entrenched racial injustice, according to its analysis of global inequality in 2021. Agne Kalamar is Amnesty's Secretary General. The global failure to build a global response to the pandemic sowed the seeds of greater conflict, greater injustice. The harvest is already on display. Rising poverty everywhere, deeper food insecurity, and further suppression of dissent and protest. Amnesty estimated that some major vaccine manufacturers, including BioNTech, Pfizer and Moderna, stood to make profits of more than 130 billion U.S. dollars by the end of this year. While by the end of 2021, only 8% of Africa's population had been vaccinated, far short of the World Health Organization's 40% vaccination target. The actor, Will Smith, has apologized to the comedian, Chris Rock, for slapping him during the Oscars on Sunday. Earlier, the Academy, which runs the Oscars, said it would explore what further action could be taken. The BBC's Colin Patterson has more. Will Smith didn't apologize to Chris Rock during his Best Actor acceptance speech, but has now done so on social media, taking to Instagram to write that his behavior was unacceptable and inexcusable, but saying that the joke about his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith's medical condition, was too much to bear, and that's why he reacted emotionally. He added that he wanted to publicly apologize to Chris Rock, explaining that he was embarrassed and his actions were not indicative of the man he wanted to be. This follows the Academy's announcement that they were launching a formal investigation into the incident. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 21,793. That's 108 points up on the previous close. Turnover standing at $67.6 billion. And in currencies, a short time ago, the U.S. dollar uh, will buy you 123.27 yen. The euro was at one U.S. dollar and nine cents. And the pound was worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 25 cents. 
It is a huge day in African football. The continent's five World Cup representatives will be decided tonight. The Watford striker Emmanuel Dennis has called on Nigeria fans to get behind the team for their crucial qualifying playoff second leg against Ghana. The first leg ended nil-nil. Dennis said the players will give everything to make it to Qatar. These games these are the biggest games of my life, bro. These are the biggest game of my career. I swear, play qualifying for the World Cup for your country, this is going to be a massive game. And it's going to be a do or die, bro. We have to go all out, blood and sweat, bro. I'm going to give everything in me. We need to qualify. Mohamed Salah's Egypt can get their revenge on Sadio Mane's Senegal. A month after losing the Africa Cup of Nations, Egypt have the chance to secure World Cup qualification at Senegal's expense. They're 1-0 up after the first leg in Cairo. Morocco hosts DR Congo in the second leg with the score tied at 1. Algeria take a 1-0 lead into their home game against Cameroon. Tunisia also hold a 1-0 advantage when they resume their tie against Mali. Two more European nations will secure qualification tonight. North Macedonia, who knocked out Italy last week, will play their final against Portugal in Porto. Poland are at home to Sweden. And for those who have already qualified, preparations continue. England will be hosting a friendly against Ivory Coast at Wembley Stadium. The BBC's John Murray looks ahead. For England's 1,030th international, it's brand new opponents in Ivory Coast. They're the first African team England have played for four years. And while they've failed to qualify for the World Cup, their squad includes many who either play or have played in England. Not least Wilfried Zaha, who actually played for England at Wembley before switching his international allegiance to his birth country. The home focus will be on the Manchester United captain Harry Maguire, who Gareth Southgate says will play despite his indifferent form. But fellow central defender John Stones has been ruled out injured and has now returned to Manchester City. Canada's English manager John Herdman says Canada is now a legitimate football country. The Canadians secured qualification on Sunday and will be playing in their first World Cup since 1986. Canada can, eh? We've got Davies winning Champions League finals. We've got players playing all over Europe. We've got kids coming through the system. And we've just qualified for a World Cup. This is a legit football country. United States and Mexico occupy the second and third automatic qualification places with one game left to play. And now let's take a quick look at the weather. It'll be mainly cloudy with a few showers, some, equal, some squally thunderstorms later, moderate to fresh easterly winds. Few thunderstorms at first tomorrow, sunny on Thursday and warm during the day. Temperature right now, 20 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity is 76%. And that's the news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. It's Tuesday and after 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Hartley Mignon. Hartley is an executive director in the finance sector in Hong Kong. She was born in Italy, parents are from Romania and Belgium, and she was brought up with three styles of cooking. And she's ready to tell us about her food memories as she shares her Soundbite with us. And after 2 p.m., Andrew Dembina, RTHK's very own food and drinks correspondent, lifts the lid again to present us with the latest global and local news from the food scene. And after 2.30, I dive into the world of food photography and filming and pull out some interesting and sometimes off-putting tricks of the trade that make food look delicious on camera. So I warn you, beware, because you may never look at scrumptious photos in the same way again, believe me. 